You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Brad Jones. I'm going to bring a talk today called Becoming an Influencer. What's the reaction? Let me look around. I wonder what it was at 515 and it trilled. Becoming an influencer. Who is on that track desiring to be an influencer? No, there's few of you, okay? Uh, more of us in our heart because they're like, man, if we would have known you could make a lot of money by being an influencer, I wouldn't be working from nine to five. Can I get an amen on that? A lot of ways to make money in the world. Let's start before we get to that part of being an influencer. We'll just go to the good old dictionary, Merriam-Webster. Uh, here's what an, the definition of an influencer is. A person who inspires or guides the actions of others. But that's not what we think of. And actually the dictionaries have already caught up. Both Merriam-Webster and the Cambridge uh, Dictionary have gone with number two. Not like four, five, six, or seven. Like the number two, when you Google influencer, is a person who is able to generate the interest of something by posting about it on social media. (laughs) And I know, did you say fix that, change that? I know there's mixed opinions. Some of us roll our eyes. Uh, Some of us are very interested in trying to become an influencer, like I said, because we realize it's a very lucrative career. Some of us are so shocked to even say the word career after the word influencer. Like people make money. Lots of, some of you are like, I know, Brad, I am one. And I would just invite you to give to the number 33864. <laughs> Text any amount. God's been good to you. You post about things online and you make a bunch of money. Come on, it, you know, give 50%, not just 10%. Okay, that's too far. I got to edit that. But here's the thing. Uh, some of us, uh, or most of us, when it comes to influence, that what we, that's what we think about that we have to have a big platform, that we have to have a big following, that we have to be famous in order to have influence. Well, what this series is all about is that God has given all of us influence and he's put all of us in a sphere of influence and he wants all of us, not just a few, all of us to leverage that influence for his glory. Keep open house, Matthew Chapter five, be salt and light, a city on a hill so that the world could see you, but give glory to your father in heaven. There's influence on your life, your life. Isn't that exciting to think about that God wants us to have lives that inspire other people. And even that hope should just give you some enthusiasm today some shifting of your thinking that, me? You're you're talking about me because my life's been a wreck. I I made a lot of mistakes. I, I don't have it all together. No, by the power of God in the person of Jesus, God's put influence on your life and he can use your life to inspire other people. So it starts today by seeing ourselves as influencers. Can you just like lift your shoulders a little bit? You're like, I am an influencer. It's not mean you have to post everything and you're gonna get a royalty check from it, but come on. 
Doesn't that just change the mentality? That's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12. If you have your scripture, let's go there. Um, and we're going to read uh, quite a bit of scripture, if that's okay with you. Is that all right? It didn't, I don't really care. I'm going to read it anyway. People at 515, when I say I'm going to read lots of scripture, they like give a standing ovation. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, therefore, I, we're in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. That's what God has in mind for you. Good, pleasing, and perfect. As he changes you, he, he lets you in on the very best that is good and pleasing to him and good and pleasing to your soul. And then Paul's gonna get real practical. How do we do that? How do we offer our bodies, our everyday ordinary lives, as Eugene Peterson says, says, for the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Can you say one body? And each member belongs to all the other. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously, social media influencers. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Y'all doing okay? Can I keep going? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, zeal but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. We'll stop there. That's enough to digest for the day, huh? This is practical teaching from Paul. You got to remember this is in Romans chapter 12. I want you to know that because all of the beginning part of Romans all the way to Romans chapter 11 is major like mostly about our identity in Christ and what what God has done in our lives through Jesus, our our position, our what we've received. And then in, in chapter 12, and it's just like Paul does in most of his letters, he takes a turn and here's how you're supposed to live based on what you believe. Yeah. So Romans, 
So much of it's just such a great letter, so much great teaching about our salvation comes through faith in Christ, our justification through faith in Christ and Christ alone. Then you get into Romans 8. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that can separate you from God's love, that we are more than conquerors in Christ. There's just such great things to have in your mind and your heart to go, this is what I've received. This is what Christ has done for me. But then he goes to chapter 12. In light of all that, just like in Ephesians 3 to 4, right? It says, therefore, uh, you know, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. This is the hinge moment of Romans. Because who Jesus is and what he's done, then this is how you're to live. And that's important for you to know because it's never teaching from Jesus or from any of us. You better do this because you have to. That's not the message. We live as a response. This is what following Jesus is all about. Our lives as a response to who God is and what he has done for us. And, and it, it's what Eugene Peterson said, like I already mentioned. It's how God wants to use our everyday, ordinary lives. I was having a conversation with a young professional a couple weeks ago after I preached at 515 and kicked off this series about being both worshipful and winsome, keeping open house. And this young man was actually talking to me. He was like, uh, I, I'm a young professional. I just graduated from college. I'm working at a, a big consulting firm. Like, Brad, that was a great talk, but I just wish it was a little bit more practical. Like, how am I supposed to change my company? Like, how is God going to use me? Like, we're mostly not even going to the office right now, so we're on Zoom, so I don't even have a lot of face-to-face -face interaction. And he was like, you know, I was like, well, we were just joking around. It's like, maybe you should just open to, uh, offer to open up every meeting with a prayer at Ernst & Young. Or uh, just like raise your hand, like, hey, before we get into the uh, P&L statements, can I just share my testimony real quick? Or like putting like the, the tracks in the chat, like, I mean, like how... How do I do it? Or just like every once in a while, just like, you know what? That reminds me of scripture. It's like, no, I'm lowest man on the totem pole. I want to impact my company. I want to influence people. But, but how? I said to this young man, I said, don't put so much pressure on yourself. And remember people's salvation is not up to you. God does want to use you, so don't opt out of the equation, but don't carry the weight. Just offer your life and watch what God does. Because he's very clear when we offer our everyday, ordinary lives, he's pleased with it. He changes us. And then through us, he's going to change other people. And this is what Romans 12 is all about. I'm coming with four things that you and I can aim for. And I believe with all my heart, if we truly aim at these, then we will have an impact that stretches far beyond. We will have an influence that stretches far beyond anything we could have imagined. They're going to get complicated. There are going to be some big thoughts. So be ready to take some notes. The first one, you ready? is to be humble. Be humble. I know, crazy. 
But it is, it is crazy, isn't it? Because we live in a selfish, prideful, individualistic world. This is what Paul was saying. He says, um, for the, verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given you. We have to assess ourselves and we, we gotta realize not they're not all that. We have to realize we're not all that. And we have to be willing to admit we don't have it all together. Maybe we should just say that and you will just put the word I. I don't have it all together. Ready? One, two, three. I don't have it all together. That is, wow, that is powerful. Felt <laughs> oh, good. Um, verse, somebody could like edit this out of the talk and just post it for me saying that, you know, just. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The message version of, uh, up earlier says this, and I think it references verse three, the only way to, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is, by who God is and what he has done for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. The word, uh, some of the words in the New Testament used for humble are talking about going low. And it would even be referenced in other literature of when the Nile, the Nile River was running low and it was in a drought. That's the same word for humble, that the men and women of God, we should go low and not make it all about ourselves, not act like we're the stuff and everybody should look at us about how great we are. And we're talking about leveraging influence. We do live in a selfish society. We do live in a prideful society. We, in fact, are actually most attacked by our own pride and selfishness. Pride is the greatest threat to your family. Pride is, I believe, the greatest threat to your organization, your team, when, when people say it's not about the cause or the mission or the purpose, but it's about what I get out of this. Pride's the greatest threat to this church. Now, what, that's what Paul's trying to say. It's like, you've all been given gifts and they're different gifts, but they're gifts. You didn't earn them. They were given to you and you received them by grace. Did you see what Paul was saying? He was a humble leader. I, I wanna challenge you and me to even be more humble in our leadership of our organizations, our families. He said, by the grace given to me, I teach you. I say this to you. This is the apostle Paul that was taking the gospel around the world. And he was like, I'm gonna speak with some authority but it's gonna come from grace because he knew who he was and what he was doing when Christ met him and saved him. He, he was humble. He would go low and just think if we were a humble people that didn't make life all about ourselves. One of my favorite books is uh, called Humility and Absolute Surrender. It's two different sections, but it's by Andrew Murray. I would encourage you to grab this. There's so much uh, good teaching in this, but I was just gonna uh, read one passage. It says, brethren, here is the path to the higher life. Down, lower down. How good is that? 
Here's the path. And this is what Jesus teaches, right? Whoever wants to become greatest must be your servant. So it's not just about you and I going through the motions. No, he wants you to have the best. But the path to that best, to, to influence, to impact, down, lower, down. So in our, our, last week, we got to give some gifts to different organizations and the director of peace prep who we're grateful to be able to bless with a significant gift from above and beyond. I heard him talk in our team meeting about downward mobility. If the people of God were just downwardly mobile, instead of trying to clamor our way and push our way to the top, no, we just focused on riding low, down, lower, down. It would come with influence because humility is attractive. Humility is magnetic. Humility, speaking of salt and life, light is different because you don't see it everywhere. And as a church and as a people, we want to influence. It makes me think, uh, uh, shout out, you know, I love sports. So we're in fall. So I got to get a sports story in there. If that's okay, I will do the obligatory go dogs right here in this moment. Um, praise God for the grace that saved my Aggies last night. But um, it's NFL is where my first love was with the Chicago Bears. And uh, I see a Bears jersey or shirt over here. Um, my dad and I grew up, I grew up in West Texas. Uh, dad lived in Dallas, but every year we'd take a trip to Chicago. And we, we, we're huge Bear fans. And many of you have heard me talk about that. But we go up once a year and we, the Bears games, you really get into the tailgate. Problem is we're in a rental car and we're coming on a plane. So we can't really bring our gear. So we started with like a little aluminum foil pan and we would just buy a grate and like cook our hot dogs and bratwurst. On. I mean, we, people had so much pity on us. They're like, oh man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but then we're like, you know what? We're, we're bear fans from Texas. And they're like, come on, this is commitment. And then we, we figured out, well, okay, everybody else it spread is, most of them are so good. They got the gear. They got the equipment. They got the, the courses, the servings. They got the breakfast. They got the appetizers. They got 18 options for lunch. So instead of our bratwurst, then let's just walk around <laughs> and scope it out and linger and start up conversation. Oh man, I love y'all been coming to games and hope they would say, well, what about y'all? We're from Texas. They're like, but we're bare. No way. Y'all come eat some of our food. <laughs> you know what we did? We never went and lingered at a family that had an aluminum foil pan <laughs> with a grape. We took our time and we scoped it out. Well, that was good. That was real good. Oh, we just found, no, let's go back to that first one. And then we decided where we we're going to linger based on the spread that was available. And I, just shifting gears a little bit, I do believe that's the way the world is watching different groups of people. Who's got something to offer that they want? And when we're humble and when we don't, posture ourselves as having it all together and being better than everyone else. But when we're, when we're willing to admit that we fall short, when we're willing to admit we don't have it all together, when we're okay saying, I'm sorry, or I messed up, or I didn't get it right. That, that isn't repulsive. Pride is what repulsive, like repels people. Pride is what reduces influence. Humility attracts people. So if we want to have influence, be humble. 
not prideful. We gotta go quickly through these next three. Be honorable and honoring. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lack, well, that's the next part. Honor one another above yourselves. The ESV says outdo one another in honor. Another translation talks about how we would lead the way with honor. We live in a society that waits for people to honor us, waits for people to notice us, waits for people to congratulate and compliment us. But we're called as believers in Christ to lead the way with honor, lead people forth with honor. How cool is that? That the, the best way to influence and impact people is just crazy. I mean, this is revolutionary stuff is to encourage them. Not just call them out for what you don't like about them, but to speak positively to them. Because uh, Jonathan Pickens over here at Cumberland uh, gave a great word about generosity opens doors. In my notes, and uh, we need to sync up next time, I said honor unlocks doors. Generosity opens doors and honor unlocks them. And I, we're not talking about like keeping your house unlocked all the time or your car. I know some people roll like that, but I do not advise that. We want to have an open house, but you can still lock your doors. Can I get an amen? But it, it, it's a mindset. And if you want to have influence, be honorable, hate what is evil. Look at it with disgust. Be horrified by it. That's what that means. Cling to what is good. Run to it. Pursue it. And then outdo one another with honor. The word uh, is actually about value. Other thing that I think I've learned about honor is that it, it's not expensive. Jealousy is what's expensive and that's the opposite of honor, right? And honor can be such a great antidote to jealousy. Instead of walking around going, man, why did they get that? I wish I had what they were. I wish I looked like them. I wish I had the money that they had. I wish I was as popular as they had. No, find something of value of people and recognize it and celebrate it. Just imagine the influence and the satisfaction would come when, because none of us like to be jealous. Do you like to be jealous? Are you, are you proud of yourself when you're jealous? Do you sleep well at night when you're jealous? No, because that's not how we're meant to live in the new nature that we have in Christ Jesus. So if you don't want to be jealous, start looking for ways to honor people instead of comparing yourself with people and realizing that you fall short. Uh, number three, now we're picking up some steam. Be hospitable. That's what it's saying in verse 13, right? It's just very simple. This is, I mean, this is so simple. Everyday, ordinary lives. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. That's it. You want to influence people? Buy them a meal. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, I'd be willing to be influenced if you buy my meal after church. <laughs> it, re it reminds me, um, early days, student ministry at 515, uh, some of you guys remember this, but the closest school to us was uh, Grady High School. It's now Midtown High School. And uh, it was, we, we desperately wanted an open door into that high school. I mean, it, it, 
I think the first time some kids came to the student ministry, like we met in like a back room of 515 and like you couldn't, like it, it wasn't a great environment. It wasn't beautiful. It was just like a room and we had a few worship. Brett and Ansley were there and we had been praying specifically for this high school. And uh, these two uh, students came in and I went up to him. I was like, hey man, I'm Brad, they're brand new. And then I was like, where do you go to school? And they're like, Grady. And I mean, I was like, oh my gosh. And then it turns out, I went and introduced them to everybody, but I think everybody else had the same reaction. So these kids thought we were stalkers. They, were, they thought we were weird because we were like, Grady is in the house. Finally, we've arrived. You know, like we've been praying and they didn't last for very long. Um, but then <laughs> I think they got freaked out by us. I mean, legitimately, we went over the top, didn't we, Jen? Well, then another... Uh, girl showed up. She'd lived in the apartments across the way uh, from the church and she came over and she, her and her mom, the uh, church was able to care for them. She met the Lord. It was so powerful. She got planted in our student ministry. She was in a family group and we we're like, hey, guess what? God's given you influence in that school and we want to help leverage that influence. So we, we got this idea. What if um, you just invite some of your friends uh, to Woody's Cheesesteaks, which is right across the street from the school. You just invite a few of them. You'll bring your church friends, some of the leaders from your church, and we'll just all have a good meal. We'll be hospitable. We'll practice hospitality. We'll like open house for people. And turns out it was like a really open house. Like a <laughs> few of us were there. I'm not, this is no exaggeration. 120 high school students came after school. We were thinking like eight and having like a good intimate conversation, getting to know each other. We got word afterwards that where people are driving through the parking lot going, freeze cheesesteaks at Woody's. <laughs> but it, it, it's the power of hospitality. And it did open doors. And you did buy lunch. I didn't actually. So thank you for giving towards. <laughs> I got to pay it back. So I need the giving to go up. But hospitality opens doors. But I also just want to say about hospitality, because especially in the Middle Eastern culture and in this day and age, it wasn't just throwing parties for friends. And that's important. We want to be in community groups and connect groups that we're going deep with people and having people around our table that can sharpen us and know everything about us. But we have to have some margin. That's what the Old Testament even taught when it came to harvesting crops. Leave, leave the edges, leave the fringes for the people in need. Our checkbooks need margin. Our calendars need margin for, for the strangers, for the guests. What we read earlier for the people of low position. And, and I'll just say those are some of the most rewarding friendships when they, you don't necessarily click on paper you don't have everything in common, but you do have in common that you've been made by a creator in love. You do have in common with believers that you've been united in Christ. And so maybe we don't all like the same things, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we all have in common that we don't have it all together and we're all on a journey. So instead of just trying to think about our differences all the time, think about our similarities and put yourself around tables with each other. Be hospitable. Paul's teaching the Romans this because he also knows that people are gonna be fleeing because of their faith in Jesus. And they're gonna get persecuted and have to leave and they're gonna show up in Rome. He needs a church to be hospitable to look after the people. It's not complicated. I even love what I said in the message version, be inventive in hospitality. Like 
Just give it a shot. So one of the things people are so drawn to the Grove, right? It's going to be an amazing conference this weekend. And people don't even know who is showing up to speak and to lead worship. And I do. Would you, would you like for me to tell you right now, ladies? But they, they know they're going to be welcomed. And there's going to be effort. And there's going to be beauty. And it, it's going to have cost a lot of sacrifice and even money. But it's, hey, come. There's a place for you. There's a seat for you. And then lastly, so we talked humble, be humble, be honorable and honoring, be hospitable and be hopeful, especially in hard times. That's what verse 11 and 12 was saying. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope. It's easier said than done. My heart goes out this morning. I mean, there's so many families I know that are hurting. This is specifically one that's heavy on my heart that our team had the Humbling, not privilege, but just opportunity to be at a celebration of life for a family that's new to our Trillith family. And this word today probably hits them different, like be an influencer, shine brightly. God wants to use you. There's so many people that wish I could share a couple texts that were on my phone this week of people that were walking through really hard times. As I was preparing this talk, I'm like, do I come with a change the world? Let God change you and he'll change the world. And Paul's not ignoring that. He's actually speaking to people that were really, were in really hard times. He said, tribulation, it's there. Suffering, it's real. We're not putting the God goggles on and thinking everything's just going to be roses all the time. No, he's talking to a group of people being persecuted. He's talking to a group of Christians that eventually were going to be a few decades later going to be burned for their faith, hung upside down. They're definitely even at this moment being marginalized by their faith. People are speaking against them. So be patient. Be patient in that squeezing, in that pressure. Stay firm. God wants to teach you something, but in the influence sphere, I think we shine brightest when our days are darkest. So when we we do get squeezed, when we do get pressure, when we are in tribulation, when we hang on, remembering a better day is coming, a new day is coming, a forever is coming, that, that shines so bright. So if you're in a season or a season may be coming of hardship, of tribulation, be patient in it not just to get through it for yourself, but for how God wants to use it in the lives of others. We can shine bright even in the darkest days and that should even give you hope. To be fervent in spirit, keep your zeal. Message version, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant, don't quit. In hard times, pray all the harder. 
The, the fervent word, I love this so much. It, it, it means boiling or bubbling. Keep, keep fervent in spirit. Don't, don't lose your zeal. Some of you have lost your zeal for the Lord because of what you get through, gone through, and I get that. And it, it, it's not just a switch that we flip on and off, right? But this fervency that we're called to, don't quit in hard times, don't give up when it goes rough. It talks about something bubbling up from within. So if you wanna regain your zeal, your fervency, be faithful in prayer, stubborn in prayer, constant in prayer. And ask God not just to change your circumstances, but to give you the zeal again, the fervor. Because maybe he doesn't wanna change your circumstances yet because he needs you in that place. But when you got that power source, that's bubbling up, the Holy Spirit bubbling up, even in this hard time, God can use me. There's influence on your life, even in the hardest days. All of this is modeled by Jesus. He was humble. He was honorable and honoring with all of his interactions. He was hospitable. I mean, think about the people Jesus hung out with. It was not culturally accepted, but he, went, he was a friend of the sinners and the tax collectors. And he was hopeful in the hardest times when he was gonna give his life for you and me. Paul was humble. Paul was honorable and honoring. He was hospitable and he was hopeful. When he's writing the letter to the Romans, he's not sure how much longer he's gonna live. He's on a mission to take the gospel to people who have never heard it. He's writing somewhere near Corinth. I mean, you can, if you wanna uh, know uh, exactly where he's writing, let's just go to the trusted. If you have your Bible with you, God bless you. You ever just go to the map section? I got no response here at Cumberland Trill at 515. I would imagine the trill of people, they're like, yeah, my devotion right now in the map section. But it, very last map section, my Bible, Paul's missionary journeys. He took the great commission seriously. It says, therefore go, go to all the nations. Gospel starts with go, he, he went, he had a, calling on his life. That same commission is towards me and you to go and leverage that influence. So, so go church, go where, go where God's calling you, go where God's put you, go where God's placed you, go where God's put you passionate about, just go. Don't stress out about where, just stress out about going. And he was, he was riding somewhere near Corinth. He was gonna take an offering back to Jerusalem wasn't sure how that was gonna go because there was some tension amongst the leaders of the church and in the church, I know crazy to think, just go with me for a minute, just imagine it. Then he was hoping to get to Rome, but he didn't know what was awaiting for him in Rome because there were people against him. There were people against the spreading of the gospel. Then he was hoping to make it to Spain. He was gonna go through Rome so they could actually, these new believers help send him and provide for him to go to Spain because as far as he knew, there was no one that was preaching the gospel in Spain. And so he went, being hopeful 
being humble, being hospitable, being honoring. And God used Paul. Jesus used Paul. He, he was connected to the vine, right? So he was connected to Jesus who said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If Jesus is humble, hospitable, honoring, and hopeful, got that last one, then as his branches, we should be just like Paul was, those same things. And so I just end by asking you, what's your map section look like? Paul's no different than us. He was the recipient of God's grace. He had a unique calling, but we've all got a calling. We've all got an influence. And maybe it's not gonna be to Spain, Rome, Corinth, and Thessalonica, but it sure could be to Georgia Tech, to Deloitte, to Henderson Middle School, to Westside Elementary, to Chick-fil-A, to the gas station around the corner, to your favorite restaurant, back to your family. God wants you and God wants me to have a map section. And we don't have to plot it all out. We don't have to put all the pressure off us. Oh God, draw my map for me today and I'm gonna write it down, I'm gonna post it online. No, we're just gonna take our everyday ordinary lives and we're gonna let God change us. And as he changes us into humble, honoring, honorable, hospitable and hopeful people, then we'll influence the world around us. Let's pray together. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.